Tactical sports take. Inbound. Who the fuck is that guy? Beat him off. Stomp on his head as he's unconscious. Five-tool commentator. <laughs> he's the Willie Mays of sports <laughs> broadcasting. It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Owen Ely Show. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everyone. We've got a great one for you today here on this Saturday, January 22nd, as we look to preview UFC 270 and Ganu versus Gan, which will take place later tonight at the Honda Center in Anaheim, California. Uh, as always, uh, just tremendous, tremendous to be back with you guys. Love doing these uh, preview shows. Got to get better about doing some of the recap shows, but... Uh, it uh, it's a fun Saturday. It's a fun Saturday. It's a fun weekend. We got the UFC uh, truly back, truly back. Uh, you know, into the swing of the pay-per-view schedules. Obviously, last uh, last Saturday was um, it was UFC. Technically, there were UFC fights going on. I don't know if they were interesting, but uh, uh, we should have some interesting ones here uh, tonight. Also, got some uh, divisional. Uh, NFL games, so, you know, just a tremendous, tremendous weekend, I gotta say. Great time of year, especially weather-wise. Great time of year weather-wise. I love the cold. Um, but I digress. Uh, got a great show for you uh, today. Uh, probably no main card showdown. Uh, we'll, we'll see if that gets revived at some point. We will have updated rankings. We do have updated rankings, which we'll go through uh, as they become uh, pertinent to uh, whatever we're talking about. A uh, pretty small card for a pay-per-view. We only got 11 fights on the uh, pay-per-view. We did have a, uh, a handful of fights fall off uh, prematurely. Uh, a, lot of great, a lot of great fights should have happened uh, tonight. Uh, this one was a while while ago, but we were supposed to have Jared Cannonier and Derek Brunson, essentially uh, a, a middleweight number one contenders fight. Uh, we were supposed to have Greg Hardy a couple of times. I believe he was supposed to fight Olinick, and then uh, Olinick had to pull out, and then he was going to fight Sergey Spivak, and then he sliced open his finger. Uh, we were supposed to have uh, Movsar, Evloev, and Ilya Topuria. Not the easiest uh, name to say there. Uh, and then we were supposed to have Ilya versus Charles Jordan. That one fell out yesterday, so that one is, is mighty unfortunate for Ilya. Um, kind of a weird fight to have. I don't really like when they put two top prospects against each other. I, I kind of like when they let the prospects grow, but uh, those are two killers there. Uh, two undefeated killers in uh, Evloev and Topuria. Uh, I guess we'll have to wait to see them. We were also supposed to see uh, Adolfo Vieira and Wellington Terman. I believe that one fell through either yesterday or maybe late Thursday. Uh, so a ha- handful of uh, uh, noteworthy fights that we were supposed to see, but uh, the card still still looks pretty good. Got some interesting fighters on there. As always, we'll go from uh, top to bottom 
I don't think there's any more housekeeping, so uh, without further ado, we'll get right into the main event here between Francis Ngannou and Cyril Gan. Ngannou 16 and 3, Gan 10 and 0. This is for the UFC Heavyweight Championship of the World. Obviously, Francis Ngannou is the, uh, well, I guess they say undisputed, but very disputed when there's an interim champ. Uh, Ngannou is just the, the regular champ, the super the super champ. Uh, Cyril Gan is the uh, interim champ. We'll also take a look at the odds here for this one coming via Odds Shark uh, by wherever the fuck Odds Shark gets their odds. Who knows? They might just be making that stuff up for all I know. Uh, I believe it's Bovada. Uh, Cyril Gan's going to be the minus 140 favorite. Uh, I've been saying this for a while in, in the lead up to this fight. Um, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to spill the beans because there's no, there's, there's no reason to even beat around the bush on this one. I think Cyril Gan's going to win very, very convincingly. Like I, I really don't think it's going to be close. Um, you, you have, you have a guy in Cyril Gan who is the, the future of heavyweight fighting. I mean, he's he's the complete package, and you really have never seen that at heavyweight. You really haven't. Um, a guy with great uh, offensive wrestling. We presume he has great defensive wrestling, although he's never spent a second of a UFC fight on his back, so it's almost a, a, a moot point. Um, but someone who's such a smart striker, which again, you don't get in the heavyweight division, you get a lot of uh, fat people with no cardio just trying to, uh, you know, swing leather blindly. You have a very technical fighter in Cyril Ghan, a guy who's amazing at distance management. I mean, that's the, if there's one thing I take away from Cyril Ghan, probably besides his, his fight IQ, it's his distance management. He is never in a bad spot. He's never going to overcommit and get smacked with a with a left hook. I mean, he is so good at knowing where he needs to be to do whatever he needs to do and where he needs to be to, to stay out of danger. Just a very, very smart fighter, great cardio, which, again, you don't get in the heavyweight division. Um, he And, and uh, an, uh, what do they call it, eight-point striker or whatever. I mean, you know, from his Muay Thai background, I mean, punches, kicks, elbows, knees, all eight points. Um, just the complete package. Whereas I look at Francis, and Francis had has made some strides, no doubt, and that's why he's the champ. Uh, you know, most notably the takedown defense. You know, we saw Stipe shoot for the takedown, didn't land the takedown. We then saw Francis and Ganu try to offensively wrestle against Miocic, didn't have any success. But I thought that was interesting that he tried to offensively wrestle, because that, I mean, that must mean you know. He feels comfortable with doing that. So, you know, Francis might have uh, improved wrestling. And uh, I like a patient in Ganu. Well, I mean, I shouldn't even say that because obviously, you know, when he goes out there in 20 seconds and destroys Gyrozinho, I like that more. But for for his sake, for his percentage chance of winning fights, I, I like a patient in Ganu better. Um, but fundamentally, he's just a power puncher. I mean, okay, you know, you, you work down the takedown defense. That's cool. Cyril Gan can win this fight every single way possible there is to win an MMA fight. Like, he's he's that well-rounded. So, okay, let's say Nganu has great takedown defense. No problem. Cyril Gan will strike him up for 25 minutes. Cyril Gan might not be an exciting fighter, and he does have finishes on his record, so I'm not trying to make it seem like he's 
uh, boring. But like Cyril Gan will win however he he has to win. So like the Junior Dos Santos fight, just boxing him up, boxing him up, moving, moving, shuffling, taking his time, knocks him out in in the second with an elbow. Okay. Then you look at the the Jairzinho and uh, and Volkov fights. Twenty five minute decisions. Like Jairzinho had a terrible strategy. His strategy, and this is really his only strategy, which is why. Uh, you know, a complete fighter like Cyril Ghosn is so much more impressive in, in a, a lacking heavyweight division. Jairzinho's entire game, entire game, unless he's fighting a very low-level opponent like Augusto Sakai, is I'm I'm just going to lazily throw some kicks, and I'm going to move backwards, and I'm going to try to catch you with uh, a, a fadeaway left hook. That's, that's basically 95% of Jairzinho's game. Okay, well, if that's your entire game, you're fucked against Cyril Ghosn. Was that the most exciting fight in the world? No, but it was utter dominance from Cyril Ghosn. Never put himself in trouble. Realized he's going up against an extremely limited fighter. Realized the only way that limited fighter can win and worked around it. You know, and the Volkov fight too. Volkov's a really good striker. Really good striker. Uh, And he's got crazy reach, crazy tall. Uh, even for the heavyweight division, and he's de- he's deceptively fast too. That's the one thing about Volkov. He's his punches look like they're in slow motion, but they are deceptively fast. I, th- I think just because he's so big, they look kind of slow. And he, he, you know, Cyril Gan was never in any trouble in that fight. Just completely dom- dominated him. I mean, it, like he wasn't ten aiding him, but I still think it's domination because the, your opponent never even had a moment, never even had a moment, and. The, the the range management was super impressive in that Volkov fight because it's like if like that should be Volkov's MO. Like you should be you're six four, he's six seven or whatever. Like you should be the one that has to get in on him. You should be the one that has to, you know, get in close and try to dirty box or whatever. Like it, you know, Volkov should be the one who should who should just be jabbing the shit out of you and, and frustrating you and, and keeping you at bay. Not the case. Not the case. And then the Derek Lewis fight picked him apart. Realize, and again, realize Derek Lewis only has one way to win. Something that Curtis Blades, who's one of the more well-rounded fighters, uh, but still, you know, pales in comparison to Cyril Gaon, failed to realize. Uh, and, and obviously, Lewis only needed one shot to put him out. Um, you know, Cyril Gaon realized, okay, the the only way, the only way that Derek Lewis is gonna win this fight is he knocks me out on a counter and worked around it, beat him up, beat up the legs, really beat up the legs, and then, you know, put him away in the third. He didn't put him away in the first or the second. He doesn't force a thing. Re- really, the opponent decides how quickly they want to get finished with Cyril Khan. If the opponent wants to get finished in round one and come in aggressive or round two or, you know, do some stupid stuff, Cyril Ghosn will will capitalize on opportunities. But, you know, if, if you fight very cautious and only look to counterfight, you know, it might be it might be a 25-minute decision for, for Cyril Ghosn. So it's just, power is the great equalizer. There's no question about that. So I'm not saying it's impossible for Francis Ngannou to win. It's very possible for Francis Ngannou to win. But Francis is not going to submit him. Francis is not going to win a 25-minute decision against Cyril Ghosn. That is impossible. I, I will say that right now. It is impossible for Francis Ngannou to win a 25-minute decision against Cyril Ghosn. It's not impossible for Ngannou to submit him, but I'd say 
so impossible or so unlikely that I'm not even going to discuss that as a possibility. It literally is just he turns off Cyril Gahn's lights. Cyril Gahn could choke him out. Cyril Gahn could knock him out. Cyril Gahn could dance around to a 25-minute decision, which he knows Nganu's not going to win. There's no way Nganu's more technical than Cyril Gahn that he pieces him up for 25 minutes. So Cyril Gahn can win this fight any which way, way he likes. And it's probably going to be the path of, of least resistance. So um, I, I'm, I'm probably going to say Cyril Gahn's going to win... I'm going to say he's going to win by round four knockout. Round four knockout. I really want to say decision, but Cyril Gahn is... I mean, he's a heavyweight. He has power. Every heavyweight has power. It's not a unique thing unless you have power to the level of Nganu or or Derek Lewis. Um, but, you know, I think I think Derek Lewis was a great litmus test for Cyril Gahn. I mean, that guy has the most knockouts in UFC history. Didn't do shit against Cyril Gahn. Um, what, whatever stuff they, they did as training partners might factor into this mentally, but I think all that stuff's kind of being overblown, and it's kind of unfortunate that it's being overblown because the promotion for this fight has been terrible, and uh, so I don't even think it really mattered that they, they talked about stuff like that. But, um, no, Cyril Gunn's going to win. And again, Nganu could win by knocking him out. He could. He could. But you look at a guy in Cyril Gunn, he has the best defense I've ever seen for, for a heavyweight. The best defense. I mean, this guy doesn't get hit with anything. He lands 5.37 significant strikes per minute. That's twice as active as Nganu. He lands at 57%. Nganu lands at 41. He only gets hit with 2.4 significant strikes per minute. Incredibly low. That's a crazy differential. That's a differential of basically three. And his significant strike defense is 62%. So, I, I like... It literally comes down to can Ngannou land a lucky punch? Like I hate to be that re- reductivist with with my argument, but like you're not gonna land, you're not gonna legitimately land a clean punch on Cyril Gan. Like it would have to be a lucky punch. Like his defense is just so so good, and you know freezing cold take me if he gets knocked out with a fucking counter left hook. Like I've been saying is impossible, but uh, I feel very very confident Cyril Gan wins this fight, and I don't really know how you can build a case for Ngannou other than, you know, he just blasts him into another universe. All right, moving on to the uh, co-main event here. It's for the UFC flyweight championship of the world. We got the heaviest division and the lightest division. We got Brandon Moreno, the champion, uh, coming in with a record of 19-5-2, and and Davison Figueredo, 22-1. Looking at the odds for this one, we'll have Brandon Moreno, as a, uh, I guess we'll call that moderate, minus 185 uh, favorite. Uh, obviously, Davison's the number one contender. Um, yeah, I'm just hung up on on uh, Brandon Moreno's name, the Assassin Baby. That always gets me. That always gets me. That's, that's one of the worst nicknames uh, in UFC history, the Assassin Baby. I mean, I guess it's accurate, but... Uh, Terrible. I think, I think that's probably the worst nickname in the flyweight division for sure, uh, outside of uh, Mark the Bumblebee De La Rosa, and he might not even be in the, in the UFC anymore. He's probably cut. So, you know, this this uh, prestigious honor, prestigious honor, might go to uh, Brandon Moreno. Uh, I guess it makes sense. His voice is he was very annoying at that press conference. I don't know if anybody else uh, felt that way, but uh, I. I 
Definitely, I'm rooting for uh, Davison here. Definitely rooting for Davison. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a trilogy. It's the first time a trilogy has happened back to back to back, uh, which is kind of surprising. Kind of surprising. I would have figured that would have happened at some point in the twenty. Holy shit, twenty nine year, soon to be twenty nine year history of the UFC. Um. I think it's I think it's Davison's fight to lose. I really do. I think Davison by far is the better fighter, and I I don't even really think it's 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 much of a discussion. I think uh, you look at you look at the first fight between these these two fighters. Um, ooh, breaking news: Glover Teixeira is going to fight Yuri at UFC 274. Well, I guess we kind of knew that was going to happen anyway. But um, back to the back to the program here. Um, you look at the first fight, I thought Davison won that fight. Even with the point deduction, I thought he won that fight. I thought he won four rounds. Okay, you you, you take away a point. What is that, 48, 47? Um, so I, I disagree with it being a draw in the in the first place. You look at the second fight, great fight by Moreno, great fight. Uh, can't really take anything away from him, although I'm what I'm going to say is going to take it away from him. But, um, you know, Davison was, Davison was messed up. He's had a problem with weight. And you know he came into that one not looking, not looking like uh, Deuce Degeta. So um, I, I just kind of throw that one out, especially coming into this third fight because Davison weighed in w- within the first four minutes or whatever of, of the weigh-in. Moreno was first, Davison was second. He weighed in. He weighed in a pound under. Uh, you know, instead of because what is the window? The window is like you get like two or three hours to weigh in. I mean, if you weigh in right away, that's two or three hours that you can get back to rehydrating, and the fight's only 36 hours away, so the difference between rehydrating at, you know, at this high of a level for this severe of a weight cut, uh, at least in the past, maybe he's made some dietary changes. In fact, he probably has, which is why he made it so easy. But, you know, the difference between 34 hours and 37 hours to rehydrate is, is probably not trivial probably not trivial so uh you know he should be fully rehydrated um i would imagine he's going to be the bigger fighter in in this one he's probably always been the bigger fighter in every fight he's he's been in probably should be a bantamweight but you know got to get through this one first but you know i think if davison's healthy and and on weight i i think he smokes moreno i think it's i think it's going to look much more like the first fight i mean davison is one of those guys He's probably the only flyweight I've ever, I've ever seen have like the, the, like when he throws punches, you hold your breath. I've never said that for a flyweight. Davison's the first flyweight. I don't even think I've ever said that for bantamweights, to be honest. Like, um, uh, in the first Moreno fight where like, there, like there will just be moments like he's almost like Yoel Romero, like where like, nah, he's just doing his thing, doing his thing, and then he'll just explode for like a three-second burst. And when he's th- when he's just winging punches, you're like, holy shit! Like, it's I don't want to I don't want to get crazy here, but like, you he, he's like the Ngannou of the of the flyweight division in a sense. Like, uh, that's probably way crazy to say, mad crazy to say, as the kids say. But like, there's just you hold your breath when he when he throws punches. I think that's the best way. To, to, to put it because he just throws with such vigor and such vitriol that uh, it, it, it's impressive and you know I've never really been impressed with Brandon Moreno I gotta I gotta be honest um, you know I, like I don't know 
So you go to a draw with Askar Askarov. You win over, <clears throat> excuse me, Kai Kara France. Okay, nice win. A win over Jussier Formiga, who was completely busted at that point. A, a, a win via shoulder injury against Brandon Royval. I mean, okay, you probably would have beat Brandon Royval, but, I mean, you don't know. You can't count the raw dog out. And then, you know, you get you get a title shot, you get beat up and go to a draw, and then you beat a guy uh, in, in, in the rematch uh, who's, you know, totally depleted. So I've never really been impressed with Moreno. That's not to say he's not a good fighter, uh, because he is. But I, ha- but but all of this is to say I have been legitimately impressed with Davis and Figueroa. Like um, his his uh, knockout of Joseph Benavidez, insanely brutal, insanely vicious. The submission of Benavidez was wild. I think we gave that submission of the year, not because it was a twister or something super rare but just blood gushing out of joseph benavidez's face the the life leaving his body is he just looked like a bloody skull as he as he choked him unconscious i mean dismantled brandon or excuse me alex perez so you know there's like a four or five fight stretch with with davison where you're like that that is like if davison's on point nobody beats him i honestly you look at davison in those benavidez fights i think davison in those joseph benavidez fights there's not a flyweight who's ever existed who could beat Davison. Uh, like, I think if he fought uh, uh, Mighty Mouse, I think that'd go pretty bad for Demetrius. I mean, I wouldn't, I'd never count him out of any fight, but I think that would go really bad for Demetrius. I don't think that would go too swell. Uh, he made it look so easy against Joseph Benavidez. And Benavidez, yeah, he was towards the end of his career, obviously, but he was still. Since 2012, he's been in the top five of that of that flyweight division. Like he's he's been in the top five for basically a decade, beat everybody. He has two losses to Mighty Mouse, two losses to Demetrius Johnson, and a bullshit loss to Sergio Pettis. So basically, he's only ever lost to two of the greatest light lighter weight fighters of all time, uh, and and was on a pretty nice win streak when he when he got that fight against. Uh, uh, Figgy. So, I, I like Figgy. I like Figgy in this one. I don't know. I don't know what Moreno does to beat him. I, I, I really think it's going to be like the, uh, the the first fight. Uh, I will say it goes to a decision because Moreno's tough. He, you know, he he he, he did he did go to a decision in the first one. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to be uh, handedly handedly for Davison. All right, moving on. Uh, to the featured bout on the main card, we'll have a welterweight fight here between Michelle Pajeda and Andre Fiello. Uh, Fiello, uh, Pajeda is 26 and 11. Fiello is 14 and 3. We'll take a look at the odds for this one. Pajeda, pretty have pretty heavy uh, 290 favorite. Um, kind of a weird featured bout on a pay-per-view. I don't think that's what the uh, the UFC wanted. Uh, obviously, Michelle Pajeda is a bit of a name. Uh, nobody knows who uh, Fialo is, although uh, I know who he is because he's the guy who knocked out James Vick uh, at uh, XMMA1 in uh, January of uh, 2021. Uh, he's been knocking a lot of people out. A lot of people out. He had Three straight first-round finishes uh, since the James Vick knockout in UAE Warriors. Uh, he fought uh, 
uh, uh, Chidi Njokani in, uh, I'm sure I butchered that, in Bellator. I believe he's with the UFC now, or maybe that's his brother. Uh, he fought Chris Curtis at PFL uh, 1 uh, in, in 2019. So, you know, he, he's had a little taste of uh, top-level talent. Um, I hear people talk glowingly about him. I forgot who it was. Oh, it might have been DC. I heard DC had trained with him and, and talked glowingly about him. Certainly has knockout power. So does Michelle Pajeda. Um, but, you know, full, disclo- full disclosure, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know a whole ton about Andre Fialo. Um, I do know Michelle Pajeda, and he, he's one of my favorite welterweights, I gotta, I gotta be honest, uh, and I, I, th- I think he's legitimately talented. I think people overlook um, his, his antics and uh, that, that really bad, inexcusable loss against Tristan Connolly. That was a very bad loss, but outside of that, uh, you know, smoked Danny Roberts. Okay, you know, bullshit loss. Well, not bullshit, but, you know, bullshit effort from him uh, against Tristan Connolly. He was beating the piss out of Diego Sanchez, and, and Diego Sanchez took the easy way out. And since then, he's on a three-fight winning streak. You know, Chaos Williams was knocking people dead. Uh, Nico Price is not very good. But, yeah, I think I think that Michelle Pajeda is really, uh, really a, a good fighter. And um, cardio is really just the issue with him. I mean... You know he does a lot of wacky, goofy shit. Sometimes he'll catch you on some stuff you've never you've never seen. He's always entertaining, uh, outside of the, the, the infamous Connolly fight. Um, and and you know he's gonna do goofy shit. He's gonna try to do a, a Showtime kick. Uh, I think if he spends if he spends fifteen percent or less of his energy on dumb shit, he 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 wins a fight. It's only when he does. It's only when it exceeds fifteen percent that he loses. You know, okay, you want to go to the ground, pick up sand, and throw it at your opponent's face. You want to do a showtime kick that misses, whatever. But that has to that has to be 15% or less of your energy because cardio is a real thing. And, you know, it really doesn't matter how good of a fighter you are if you don't have cardio. You're just kind of, you're kind of fucked. It really, it really doesn't matter, you know. You, I mean, so, so long as he, uh has a little bit of juice. I, th- I think he wins. I think he wins this fight. He's handled power punchers before. Uh, wouldn't shock me to hedge my bets. It wouldn't shock me if Fiala won. And uh, if he won, I, I, especially in the, especially in the featured co-main or featured main, uh, a lot of people would be talking about him. So you got to figure there's a reason they put uh, him there in, in the first place. But no, I like Pajeda. The stats look good for him, and uh, I think he, I think he gets it done. And I'm going to say he gets it done by unanimous decision. All right, moving on. Still on the main card. Uh, we got a bantamweight fight here between Cody Stamen and Saeed Nurmagomedov. Stamen 19-4-1. Nurmagomedov 14-2. and two. Taking a look at the odds for this one. Nurmagomedov will be the minus 200 favorite. Uh, a little bit surprising here. I, I don't exactly know who I'm going with. I feel like this one's pretty evenly matched. Uh, they will have Cody Stamen in the bantamweight rankings at number 15. Uh, we'll have him at 14. Uh, this this is a tough fight. I mean, a lot of people are going to gravitate towards uh, Saeed because he has the uh, the the Nurmagomedov name. Uh, I don't I actually don't know if he's related to Khabib because there's so many Nurmagomedovs. I don't even know. There's some Nurmagomedovs that are related, and then there are some Nurmagomedovs that aren't. 
related. So I, I just lose track of of who's who. So I, I don't even I don't know if he's related, but obviously that's pretty interesting last name for uh, the wider uh, MMA audience. He's three and one in the UFC. His only loss came to uh, Howney Barcelos, who's a v- Howney Barcelos is so fucking underrated. I'll, I mean, I'll die on that hill. Um, and Andy got fucked over in that Timur Valiev fight. I mean, I don't care what anybody says. He definitely, definitely uh, won that fight. Um, but he's got a nice finish of uh, Ricardo Ramos. Wait a minute. Ricardo Ramos? No, Ricardo Ramos. I always get him messed up with uh, Ricardo Ramos. And Brazilians, too. I, I, I always mess up... Uh, their names, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Had a 51-second knockout against Mark Striegel. Uh, so, you know, relatively good start for uh, uh, Nurmagomedov. Stayman, two-fight losing streak, although it's it's to, to uh, Jimmy Rivera and Marab Dwalashvili. Um, much tougher schedule for Cody Stayman, and that's kind of what I what I look at here. Uh, because, I mean, he, he's fought Brian Kelleher, Song Yadong, uh, which I believe he was winning actually no 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 that was a fight where Song Yudong was beating the piss out of him but it went to a draw because he uh, cheap shotted him uh, lost to Aljamain uh, a nice split decision win over Brian Caraway. that's an interesting name to google if you don't know what he's up to these days um, man that being said how old is Cody Stamen 32 that's not too old Man, this is tough. I am, I am going to go with Saeed Nurmagomedov on this one. I really want to go with Cody Stamen just because he's fought tougher fighters. Um, but, man, Saeed's had a great start to, to his career. These are both uh, plus differential strikers. Saeed, uh, north of uh, 2.3. He basically land just, lands uh, twice as often as he uh, gets hit. They both have pretty good defense when you look at the numbers, so... Uh, we'll have to see how that uh, uh, that goes. Stamen is the better grappler, and certainly stats would, would back that up, which is you know weird to say for somebody with the last name of Nurmagomedov. But uh, I'll go uh, Saeed by unanimous decision on this one. Don't feel great about it, by the way. Don't feel great about it. All right, we're going to move on to the main card opener. It's going to be in the welterweight division between Michael Morales and and Trevin Giles Morales 12 and 0 Giles 14 and 3 we'll take a look at the odds for this one Michael Morales the minus 115 favorite Trevin Giles coming in at uh, minus 105 underdog however the fuck that works um yeah interesting interesting fight here Trevin Giles been in the UFC for uh, a hot minute only 29 years old uh i mean jesus he's had a like eight fights in the UFC. Uh, I think every single one of them has been at middleweight. So he's coming down to uh, welterweight, which he looked pretty bloated for for middleweight. He certainly was not a middleweight. Um, I I never really liked Trevin Giles. I, I never really liked him at at, at middleweight. So uh, comes into the UFC, beats two fighters I've never heard of, two straight losses to. Zach Cummings and Gerald Mearshart. One of the worst decisions of all time. Uh, a split decision win over James Krause on short notice. And, and you know, Krause is not a middleweight. Uh, comes out. So basically, he's on a three fight losing streak at this point. Knocks out Bevan Lewis. Uh, a win over Roman 
<clears throat> Roman Deliti and then gets flatlined by uh, Drickus Duplessis. Um, I like Michael Morales in, in this one, and uh, if I was allowed to bet money, I would certainly put money on uh, the Ecuadorian uh, Michael Morales because I think those odds are a little crazy. I mean, I understand it's his UFC debut and he's he's pretty young, but uh, and and I I do like Trevin Giles a little bit more now that he's probably at his true weight class, and you know we'll be going up against fighters who are his size, but. I don't know. I, I don't know what there is to like about uh, Trevin Giles. Michael Morales, 22 years old. Uh, Jesus. Born in June 1999. Uh, and had a great performance on the Contender Series. A really nice performance on the Contender Series. Uh, a lot of finishes on the regional scene, which, you know, y- you would expect. The, the one thing I like about Michael Morales is that he's coming into the UFC at 12-0 and and went through the Contender Series. I, I really like that because... You know, if he like, if he was coming in at seven and zero, like, ooh, I mean, seven fights. Trevin Giles has had seventeen fights. Uh, yeah, obviously, the experience and the high level experience is going to go to Trevin Giles. Um, but but it's like, you know, he's not Michael Morales is not crazy green. And you know, 12, 12 fights is twelve fights. I mean, I'm not trying to make that seem like anything more than it is, but. Um, you know, like seeing like uh, who's that guy, Carlos Alberg, come into the UFC at three and zero, like that is crazy. Like you should be banned from joining the UFC until you have five fights. Like it just rarely works out good for fighters who come in with so little experience. Um, so I, I like Morales. Uh, I remember him being a well-rounded fighter from the uh, Contender series. Obviously, stats aren't really going to do you justice on Morales because uh, you know he's, he's a, it was one Contender series fight. Uh, stats aren't half bad for Trevin Giles. I don't know how that's possible because, uh, you know, he's lost the majority of fights he's been in. So you can ponder on that one while I tell you Michael Morales is going to win this one via unanimous decision. Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm going to change that. Round two knockout. Round two knockout for Michael Morales. We'll call it audible there. All right, moving on to the prelim headliner. It's going to be in the bantamweight division between Howney Barcelos and Victor Henry. Barcelo 16 and 2, Henry 21 and 5. Taking a look at the odds for this one, we'll see that Barcelos is the biggest favorite on the card. He's going to be a minus 525 favorite. Uh, some might call that significant. Uh, Victor Henry is going to be making his UFC debut. He's got quite the uh, head of hair. Barcelos does not. Uh, Henry's going to be 34 years old, making his debut in the bantamweight division. That is very, very old. Very old. Uh, he's on a one-fight winning streak. He lost back in uh, November of 2020 to Denis Um Yeah, he's, he's fought all over the world. I saw that Dana White, when he was doing that little preview thing he does for, like, Twitter or whatever, like, here's some fights you don't know about, and he was talking about Victor Henry and how he should have been in the UFC a long time ago. I don't... I'm looking up and down the record, and there's more There's more than just looking at the record on the paper, but, man, I don't know. There's a lot of losses in a lot of organizations that are not A, B, or C-level organizations, so I don't I don't quite understand the, the fascination with Victor Henry. Uh, he was supposed to fight Howney Barcelos back in December, and he was supposed to fight him uh, a week ago, but that got uh, pushed back, I believe, due to COVID. Um, but, you know, they're here now, third time's the charm. 
Uh, Howney Barcelos, like I uh, alluded to earlier, I think is one of the most underrated fighters in the UFC, and it's unfortunate because he is 34 years old as well, so he's kind of running out of time. Uh, he's had six canceled fights in the last 13 months. The only fight he's had in the last 13 months was a majority decision loss to Timur Valiev back in June. Total bullshit. Absolute bullshit. Uh, Valiev nearly got sent to the fucking grave in that fight. And Valiev did have his moments. Like, it wasn't a total... Actually, it was a total beatdown. But, you know, Valiev had his moments. And if you want to say Valiev even won a round, whatever. But Howney Barcelos nearly sent him to meet his fucking maker in that fight and, and somehow lost the fight. I, I'm, I'm going to look that up on MMA Decisions here real real quickly because I, I want to see what the esteemed members of the uh, UFC uh, media have to say about that one because that was fucking bonkers. Um, holy smokes. The majority thought Valiev won and then a lot of them thought it was a draw. There was only one sane fighter or uh, uh, media member, Dane Fox, scored it for Barcelos. That is fucking unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Uh, Barcelos nearly killed him. He probably did take a part of his soul in that fight, so uh, I don't know what the fuck they are smoking. Um, but he's one of those guys who's had a bunch of wins in the UFC, just can't really seem to to, to go anywhere. I mean, and he's had some some nice wins on the, uh, the regional scene as well. Bobby Moffitt, who uh, fought in the UFC, Dan Moret, Mankato, Minnesota's own Dan Moret, uh, who fought in the UFC and then, you know, finished uh, Halabaugh in the UFC, Gutierrez, uh, Huachin, Saeed Nurmagomedov, Khalid Taha. You know, he was on a really nice winning streak and then kind of got fucked over in that uh, in that Valiev fight. Uh, his his only true loss, his only true loss came back in 2014 to Mark Dickman. Mark Dickman. So, um, you know, he's, he's a good fighter. And he's a very well-rounded fighter, uh, too. Obviously, he's he's Brazilian, so he's great on the ground, but his striking is also uh, very good as well. Pretty active fighter, got a, a differential of about one strike, 66% uh, significant strike defense, which is pretty darn good. 1.8 takedowns per 15, 92% takedown defense, which is pretty fucking good. Pretty you, Actually, you'd be hard-pressed to find a takedown defense in the UFC that's that's higher, certainly with the amount of fights uh, he's had. Uh, that is, I guess Kamaru Usman's got a higher takedown defense because he's at 100, but holy shit, yeah, you. I didn't think it was that good, but wow, yeah, you, you probably can't find a higher uh, takedown defense than, than Howdy Barcelos. 56% takedown accuracy as well, which not too shabby. I, I think Barcelos works the floor with him, and uh, he gets a finish in... I'm going to go round one. I'll be brave. I'll go round one. Um, and it, it, it'll be a finish. I'm not going to say, because I think it's equally as likely it's a submission or a, uh, a, a TKO. So, you know, pick your poison on that one. All right, we're going to move on uh, to a very interesting fight here between Jack Della Maddalena and Pete Rodriguez. Della Maddalena, i got to say that slowly, uh, is ten and two. Rodriguez four and zero. So you can already, you can already guess which one I'm going to take in, the, in in this one. Uh, this fight taking place in the uh, the welterweight division. I can't remember if I said that. I'm just so excited, guys. I'm just so excited to be back. Uh, 
JDM, I'm going to get that going. We need to start calling this guy JDM. Uh, is the minus 360 favorite. Um, I'm certainly picking him. I will n- almost never pick a fighter who's 4-0. and I, I don't give a shit I, the circumstances. I mean, 4-0, and he should not be in the UFC. Uh, he's got four first-round finishes. Congratulations. They're in uh, Icon Fighting Federation. I don't know what that is. You... Uh, made his pro debut back in October of 2020. Uh, he's also five foot nine, which is a little, a little short, a little short for welterweight. Not too bad, but a little, little short. Uh, JDM had one of the best uh, contender series performances I've seen. He's also 25 years old, but he's obviously 10 and two. Um, he he lost his first two fights of his career. Since then, he's on a 10 fight winning streak. Uh, and he, he was on a eight-fight finish streak heading into that Contender Series fight. Uh, beat the brakes off of Andre Lusa. Uh, looked really good. He throws with just very, very mean intentions. I mean, he's a good boxer. Uh, obviously, it's a Contender Series, so, you know, who knows how that stacks up against higher-level talent. But when you're going up against a guy who, you know, should be two or three fights away from fighting on the Contender Series uh, and, and, you know only is on uh, this fight card because of his gym affiliation. Uh, JDM's going to smoke him. I, I, I predict KO in this fight because uh, JDM's got great power, uh, good boxing. Uh, he's, he's a tough guy, too. He can take a, he, he can take a punch as well, as, as evidenced by his nose being fucking sideways. Um, but I love him. I think, I think he might be the next um, Australian star. You know... And maybe not a star because he becomes a champ or anything. Like, I would never want to predict that on somebody's debut because that would just be reckless. But star because he's from Australia. Australians fucking love their fighters. Uh, Like, uh, who the fuck was that one guy who beat uh, Rashad Evans? Dan Kelly? Daniel Kelly or whatever? Like, Australians really get behind their fighters. And his his fighting style is amazing. So even if he's a 500 fighter in the UFC, he's going to have a cult following at, at, at a minimum because of of his uh, style. I mean, there's a reason they put him on a pay per view and they, and they didn't try to slide this guy in on uh, on a fight night. So uh, and I think he gets off to a great start. I, I think he uh, I think he KOs Pete Rodriguez. All right, moving on back to the uh, the bantamweight division. We'll have a fight between Tony Gravely and. Uh, uh, Simon Oliveira, uh, Gravely's 21 and 7. Oliveira is 18 and 3. We'll uh, take a look at the odds via Odds Shark. Uh, Gravely's going to be the minus 250 favorite. Uh, both kind of short for bantamweight, 5'5 five, five and 5'4, five, respectively. Oliveira's got crazy long arms, 72 inch reach. At five foot four, gravelly, uh, sixty nine inch reach. If you know what I mean, um, gravelly. Obviously, uh, he, he's been in the UFC for uh, longer. I believe this is the debut fight for uh, Oliveira. We got four fights for gravelly. He split them even. Uh, got knocked out by Nate Manis. Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty badly. Pretty badly. I mean, I guess it was a TK. Well. TKO slash KO. I don't know. He kind of beat him up a little bit. Um, Oliveira, 30 years old, coming off of the Contender Series split decision win over uh, Jose Alde. Um, 
extensive, extensive regional uh, uh, background. Um, man, like there's really not a whole lot to go on here. I don't think Gravely's all that in a bag of chips, you know, being two and two in the UFC and Oliveira kind of skating by on a, a split decision in the contender series. I don't really have a whole lot of uh, hot takes here. I guess I'll go, I'll, I'll go Gravely because he's the favorite and because he's got four fights under his belt in the UFC, but uh, I, I don't, uh, I, in complete honesty, I, I don't have any strong opinions on this one. Gravely's very active on the ground, very active with the takedowns, and uh, a plus significant strike differential, although his defense is uh, not, not very good statistically. But uh, yeah, we'll go Tony Gravely by uh, decision. All right, moving on to the uh, lightweight division. We'll have a fight here between the Steamroller, Matt Frivola, and uh, Gennaro, Gennaro uh, Valdez. Uh, we'll take a look at the odds for this one. Frivola will be the minus 200 favorite. Um, yeah, again, another one I don't have a whole lot of uh, strong opinions on. Matt Frivola has been in the UFC for... Uh, a little bit of time. He's 31 years old. Uh, Two-fight losing streak. Not 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 the greatest last performance from Matt Frivola. He got knocked out in seven seconds by uh, Terrence McKinney. So uh, not not a whole lot of momentum from the uh, Frivola camp. Uh, also got dominated by Armand Sarukian uh, earlier that year. His last win was a split decision win over Luis Pena, who's another interesting guy. Uh, to say the least, probably lost that fight to be honest. And Valdez is 30 years old, five foot ten, got a 71 inch reach, undefeated, uh, and I believe all of his wins are by finish. I mean, there's a couple where it, it doesn't even tell you how he won, but I would have to imagine they're 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 probably finishes. Um, yeah, fuck it, I'll go I'll go Valdez on this one. I I would not feel great about going with Matt Frivola, even if. Even if the odds makers say that he's most likely to win, uh, I'll just uh, I'll go out on a limb here and, and, and pick Valdez. All right, we're gonna be moving on here to the early prelims. We'll have a strawweight fight here between Vanessa Demopoulos and Silvana Gomez Juarez. Demopoulos is six four and two and has an interesting career. Uh, Gomez Juarez is ten and three. Uh, we'll take a look at the uh, odds for this one. We'll have Demopoulos as the minus 140 favorite. Not a big fan of Vanessa Demopoulos. Uh, terrible nickname as well, Lil Monster. Uh, has very short arms at 59 and a half inches. Juarez, uh, 64 inch reach. Uh, Demopoulos looking for her first win in the UFC. Uh, lost on the Contender Series, lost in the LFA, came back and got a win in the LFA, then got signed to the UFC and got uh, put in her place by J.J. Aldrich. Not a very good fighter. Not a very good fighter. I'm sure her parents are very proud of her uh, career path. Uh, Gomez Juarez made her debut uh, earlier uh, in, uh, well, actually, it's 2022 now, but... Uh, uh, back in 2021, she made her debut against Lupita Godinez and uh, got choked out in round one via an arm bar. So they're both looking for their first uh, win in the UFC. Uh, Juarez is 37 years old, so that's uh, 
you know, that's that's up there. That's up there. Um, boy, that's a tough one. That's a tough one to pick. I really don't want to pick uh, Vanessa Demopoulos on this one, but uh, I think I might have to. I think I might have to. I think uh, a 37-year-old uh, regional fighter is is the uh, delineation for, for where I think Demopoulos can get a win. So I'll go Van- Vanessa Demopoulos, and I'm not going to bother picking uh, a method. All right, and we're moving on to a much more interesting female fight here, this time in the uh, flyweight division between Jasmine Jazdivisius and Kay Hansen. Jazdivisius is 6-1, and one, Hansen 7-4. and four. Uh, We will take a look at the odds shark odds for this one. Demopoulos, or excuse me, Kay Hansen, the minus 220 favorite. A little bit of, little, little out of order there. Um... Uh, Jazz Divisius uh, fought on the Contender Series uh, last season. Uh, looked looked pretty good against uh, Julia Polastri. I believe Polastri was the favorite in that one. They definitely made a big deal about her. Uh, her only loss came to Elise Reed back in 2020, which is not a very good sign looking at how her uh, career went. She was supposed to fight Kay Hansen last week. She's going to fight her this week. Very tall, very tall compared to Kay Hansen. Kay Hansen. Uh, five foot two, uh, Jastavizius, five foot seven, gonna have a five inch reach advantage. Uh, Jastavizius, definitely a, uh, a striker. Uh, Kay Hansen, 22 years old, uh, one and one in the UFC, won her debut against Jin Yu Fry, and lost to Corey McKenna. I don't think McKenna won that fight, so I, I think Kay Hansen's two and oh, in, in, in my opinion. Uh, this is a this is an appropriate fight for her. I, don't, I haven't been blown away by Kay, Kay Hansen to the point where, you know, she should fight somebody in the rankings or somebody a little higher. I think somebody off the contender series is a nice little spot to to put her in. There's no there's no reason to uh, to to rush it. Um, so I, I'm gonna go Kay Hansen. I'm gonna go Kay Hansen. I think that she's probably the better fighter. Uh, a lot more uh, a lot more experience and. Uh, yeah, the stats are kind of unimportant in, in this one, but Kay Hansen is uh, a pretty active grappler. So uh, we'll go Kay Hansen by unanimous decision. I don't, I, don't always, uh, I don't always like picking finishes in fights like this. So, yeah, we'll go Kay Hansen by unanimous decision. All right, so with that, we've reached the end of our preview. So, again, you can check out our website, northstarsports.media. Check out our updated rankings. They are currently updated. We will have them updated later uh, tonight, post uh, UFC 270. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely M, and you can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at. Uh, actually, let me check that because we switched it. We switched it. It's no longer North Star M I N, which is going to take a long time for me to get used to. You can now follow North Star Sports on Twitter at NSS underscore M N. NSS underscore MN. No longer North Star MIN. Forget I said North Star MIN. I probably shouldn't keep saying North Star MIN because you're, you're going to think that the Twitter account is North Star MIN, but it's, it's not. It is NSS underscore MN. But, you know, I'm sure if you look up North Star Sports, you probably find it on there anyway. Uh, yeah, and with that, thanks for tuning in, everybody.